Sexual Abuse Awareness Month has come and passed. However, the subject that it has brought awareness to continues to happen. The effort to provoke change doesn't end after a lunar cycle. Today, we talk about the bad, the uncomfortable, the recovery, and how we can all make a difference. This is Let's Ruffle Some Feathers. I think today is probably like, I think we're slowly classing up. We did one crossover of another podcast. Now we have another crossover with two podcasters this time. So we have uh, Miss J from Women with an F'd Up Mind. Hello, hello. Hi. And, Howdy. We, and we have Lonnie from Cruise Corner. Hey, hey. How goes it? Hey. What's up? <laughs> what it do? Thank you both for coming on. Uh, we were going to have uh, Blackbird Advocacy podcast on as well but last minute things happen and you know it is what it is and we wish her the best and i uh, just want to put it out there that she recently released an episode where she shared some of her stories and i can just say like i never i mean i kind of expected but it's one of those like i didn't want to push and ask if she herself has witnessed or experienced something like that well, that's the difficult thing with a lot of these two, right? You know, it, it, it helps to talk about it, but it's also, it's also, you, you, you're kind of hesitant to ask because you'd also don't want to bring up anything, any bad memories or feelings or whatever else, you know, at least from my perspective. So it's tough on that end too. Absolutely. That, that's like knowing your audience as well. It's like some people are easier to talk about things than others are. And some people are, are easily triggered more than others. And it's like, again, just knowing your audience is like the most important thing and like going into the military, you know, on the military's perspective is just, you know, knowing your Marines, knowing your soldiers, your airmen, your seamen, whatever it is, you just got to know who that person is. I have no idea who my audience is. I just say, it's well, the thing with mine is when it first started, it was, it was directed towards civilians because I didn't need to tell a veteran what really MST was. I didn't have to tell the military what the hell was going on for the most part, but civilians, I felt like I had to bridge that gap. So I didn't really know how to talk to anybody because I didn't know what to say anymore. And I was pretty like, motor pool talk. So it's like, how do I still hold on to my veteran and military audience, but I still include the civilians, but I don't go too far to where I trigger somebody, but I go far enough to where people kind of get that I'm not bullshitting. So it's like that balance is really fucking hard to find. Oh no, I'm the same way too. I couldn't, I have no fucking idea what kind of people actually listen to my podcast. I have a general idea just because of the people that follow me on Instagram. But at the same time, you know, the statistics or whatever doesn't say, okay, these are the type of people that are listening to you. And then like my age group, I'm like, are people in the thirties and forties is my biggest age group right now. And I'm like, what? yeah, if I go. If I go on Anchor, it's like you're listening or you have like 40 year old men listening to your stuff. Yeah, like, that, that drives okay. me crazy. <laughs> but when I was talking about like with audience, it's like when you actually talk to that specific person, not like necessarily talking about with an episode. So like when you were bringing up, you know, talking to that other podcast, like I don't really know how to ask these things. And that, that's what I meant. Really, like like you said, I have I'm with you on that. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I'm exactly listening just because of the age group and male to female ratio. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Miss J, tell us what your podcast is about uh, women with an F'd up mind. So, women with an F'd up mind really kicked off because that sergeant that went viral, um, the TikTok sergeant, you know, saying her perpetrator, uh, 
got away with it. And I just got tired of all this shit, you know, between that and the Vanessa Gann and then found another soldier, which is Asia Graham, like all these different people and all these different stories. And I'm like, I'm fucking tired of just sitting here, just reading this shit. Like I'm going to talk about this and not just to be about awareness. I want to make shit happen. So I figured the best way, you know, to start things is come out with a podcast, which I have learned very quickly that that seems to be a trend right now. Whoops. Anyways, um, but the point of the podcast is not just necessarily spreading awareness, but we're trying to make things different when it comes to survivors of sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic violence, um, and bringing awareness of how the lack of mental health help in our military is, um, because it's not taken serious by a lot of people. And those are really big issues that should be. So the podcast has started to you know, start putting the the voice out there, you know, to make people uncomfortable. And my favorite saying is ruffling all the feathers. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned, you know, about the, the mental health in, in the military and how there's not really a, a push for that or nobody really brings it up, even though you see all over base, there's posters everywhere. Oh, you know, come to talk to this person, go talk to the chaplain, whatever else. But I would have to agree that that there is. They they say there's things there just as a CYA, but nobody actually expects you to go do those things, at least without uh, having some sort of negative stigma attached to you. If you choose to go talk about those things with the the appropriate groups, you know, exactly. And that's like, like you said, it is a CYA thing because you got to say, oh, we have this, but it's like it all boils down to being who you're surrounded by. And that's what's really going to make or break, you know, when it comes to your mental health. And, you know, one of the things that we really, really preach is, you know, just giving a shit. That's like the main important thing is just giving a shit about your fellow, you know, service member or your brothers and your sisters that you're supposed to protect and have their back. And it's like, I know Six, you and I have had this conversation where it's like, we talk about all this stuff, but it's now just noise. It's not, nobody's doing anything about it it's just being talked about and everybody's just so tired of hearing it that it turns into that conversation. When you're tired of hearing somebody, you end with the response of, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And why do you think that is? Do you think it's because of current leadership or do you think it's this old, these old birds that are sitting up in these high, high, uh, high officer positions or whatever else that, you know, there's that they're from a different generation. So they're, they're the type to, Oh, just suck it up and move on type thing. And do you think it'll change if once the younger generation gets up into those spots and another, unfortunately to say, probably 20 years, you know what I mean? Like, well, unfortunately, yes, I, I do believe that because the people that are in leadership positions grew up in a different time, in a different type of era in the military and haven't really like it's not their fault, but like they haven't really got with the times that. They haven't accommodated to the changes because the generation, even the gener, even with me joining as old as I join, the generation under me is very, very different than compared to the people that are in leadership. Like it's a whole different era, how they grew up, how they were raised. Like it's a very different time, you know? And then on top of it, we're in peacetime when you've got these people that are in leadership positions that were all in that they grew up with suck it up mentality. You know, we've got a war to fight. We've got shit to do, but now we're in peacetime with a generation that doesn't have the proper guidance. And, you know, you can teach old dog new tricks, but it's just a matter of 
who's going to be the one that says, all right, here's the issue. This is what, you know, get, get with the times. That's, that's realistically what it needs to be is that you just need to accept the fact that shit's different. Women are in combat roles. You know, women are all over the military in all different roles. It's not just, you know, segregated anymore. And things are just different. And there's no, there's no controlling that. That's just how life is. Everything's changing. And I, well, I yeah, think, I think life progresses, things progress, we get smarter and things so are supposed to get better, right? And everything's supposed to be a little more equal, even though we know it's far from that. I mean, you know, like we were just saying, you know, they say they say it's equal, but we all know anybody with eyes can see that it's not right. Oh, absolutely. And that, one of the quotes that I heard the other day is that the, you know, the battle isn't across seas anymore. It's in garrison. Because, yes, you know, we are still across seas, but at the same time, you know, we have all these things going on. And then when COVID hit, all these, you know, being quarantined and being isolated, it triggered a lot of things for people because they had to be isolated. They didn't get to be around the people or things are just COVID made things really fucking different and really hard for people. Yeah. And like people people like you said in the quarantine right people might have been fighting fighting issues internally in their own mind right but they were able to get out and still hang with their friends so Mm -hmm. that kind of social interaction or being able to get out and do their hobbies or activities it it suppresses those those dark dark emotions um or thoughts for a time right and then when you're alone those those thoughts come back but then you get out into the world again and you're with your friends and stuff and they suppress again but once you're once you take those fun times away uh, or the suppressing acts away, then it's just n- nothing but thoughts in your head. And then you can see how it just, it goes downhill from there. Right. And I, and I think that kind of goes into Lonnie's uh, side of the house with her podcast and then also her book, which is titled Bottled Away. Uh, Lonnie, are you, any of this stuff like is ringing all sorts of bells for you? I'm just going back to the military where, that I wish I fucking left sooner than I did. But yeah, this is some reminiscing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like Lonnie, I remember when you were putting out your episodes, you actually gave into the vulnerability that actually took a step like, okay, I'm vulnerable. I need some help. Somebody help me. And then in a a typical fashion, which uh, which is another stigma that a lot of people have issues with is they start scaling your your issues to someone who has it worse. And that's kind of like the the ongoing issue, not just with the military, but just everybody in general, when they hear someone with a problem, their first knee jerk reaction is to scale it to someone who has it way worse, like just off the wall worse. Like the I'm having one a bad up game is yeah. huge in the fucking oh, yeah. world. That shit more than anything <laughs> That's in the world. Crazy. I literally yep. hate that shit. You know, like oh, I'm having a bad day. Like, oh yeah, well, I was in Korea. Or uh I, I just uh I just uh lost like twenty thousand dollars. Like, I'm sorry, but that doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> that literally happened to me. So with like my situation that just happened, you know, the next day I'm still like mentally not fucking coherent, still having to go to work, still be a fucking normal human. And then that one sergeant that I talked about that his first response to me was, well, why don't we just go have frustration sex? The next fucking day wants to compare his problems to mine. Mind you, his fucking problems was the fact that he has two domestic violence cases for beating his wife he's losing his fucking he's getting he's getting adcept and everything and he wanted to compare an issue that he caused that he did 
and fucking scream. Mind you, this is two days after my incident happened. Screaming at me, cussing at me, telling me how much worse he has it. How do you think I fucking feel? Like going on a whole fucking tangent. And of course, you know, still being an emotional fucking wreck, I start crying. Like straight up, because one, I can't say shit because he is a higher rank than me. I have to sit there and literally take him fucking screaming at me because my whole command's sitting right there. And then we go outside. He finally, after screwing, screaming at me, he finally takes me outside, continues to scream and cuss me out. And then, of course, still fucking crying. He's like, if you want to cry like a fucking bitch, then go see a chaplain. Oh. Straight up. Oh yeah. I can't believe it. I know that I know it happens. But it's hard to wrap my brain around that it, that it actually happens. You know what I mean? Like it's so insane that somebody would re- respond to another person who who who's in distress in a way, and and that's just just accepted. Like I can't believe there wasn't some other guys in the shop that didn't take them. Hey, let's go about out behind the blast fence and talk real quick, and then just knock their teeth in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I think that was the hardest concept for me too. Was there was people there and they just let him do it knowing what was going on with me. Like they all knew they were all aware my own, you know, the people that are in charge of me that I work fucking bend over backwards for to do shit. 90% of the time I'm not even doing like I'm, I have more access and clearance to things than most of my command does. Like seriously, like I'm doing officer's jobs 90% of the time. And I was just telling you the other day, six, that I fucking had to do a regiment project and I didn't get any credit for it. And I did it all by myself. Besides the point, totally irrelevant. But it's the fact that nobody said anything, even with me bloodshot face. Because I sat outside to calm down. Like once he told me to go see a fucking chaplain, I sat outside. Now, two of my buddies that are medical came and talked to me because they actually gave a shit. But I sat out there and, you know, I walked in the office. Of course, if you get done crying, you're fucking full of snot, red face, everything. And I had to literally go sit back at my desk and shut the fuck up and go about my business. And not a single person literally said, hey, are you OK? That's, right. that's literally all somebody had to do. And it totally would have been a different game changer for me mentally. But it's the fact that I had to look at all their faces and not a single person said a fucking word. It just mind blown me. And I was like, this is exactly why I don't want to fucking stay in. This is why I'm done right here. Right. That's because they're all concerned with their next rank and ignorance is bliss. And if I put my horse blinders on and don't see other people's problems and actually try to help other people, I can just focus on my next rank. And that's unfortunately, that's that's all the people in leadership care about. It, it seems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this shit still goes on. This shit still goes on on the veteran end where people aren't worrying about rank and shit like that. And people still do kind of the same reaction because that's what I've dealt Because I've been out long enough to where I get to deal with the veteran side of the bullshit of trying to say something's wrong because I stayed quiet when I was active duty. And well, like what enough happens to, on the veteran side? Well, on the veteran side, like if you try to even say like, hey, like this shit happened to me and I didn't talk about it, like I sucked it up. I got my job done. I completed the mission. You know, like, do I get a star yet for fucking being like allowed to say like my service counted and shit like that. But on the veteran end, uh, it still comes down to like a lot of ridicule, a lot of criticism. 
and you still get the jokes. I, I had vets hit me up saying, if it bugs you that much, fucking kill yourself. Hey, I would have oh fucked you. God. Jesus no, Christ. Like, like I've had them say like, you know, seeing your pictures, you know, cause I put my shit all over cause I'm out. I don't give a shit if people see my face or know who I am. But, uh, you know, I've had people say like, you know, I would have tapped that ass too. I would have fucked you, you know, whatever. Or, oh Hey, you know, you must've been, it must've been nice being in a cavalry unit where you had all these dudes around, you got fresh pickings. You could fuck all the guys you wanted. Like that was what the, and that was a civilian that said to, that to me because it was like, there's this perception that it's like we join cause we just want to fuck everybody. Holy and so when we get shit. out then people just kind of look at it like, Hey, you know, like, didn't you get your fill while you were in? And it's kind of wow. like, no, nah. but that's coming from vets. So it like the ranks gone, like there's no upward mobility anymore. So it's like, where does that come from? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. I, I, yeah it's just, it's the, uh, it's the, uh, maybe it's some sort of perception of how they can just elevate themselves above you somehow. I, and it's just still, but people, here's the ultimate thing is people are shitty no matter where you're at. And that's mm-hmm. just the inherent human nature, unfortunately, in, in so many people, because we don't let Darwinism take place anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. But with so, the, I think one thing with the veteran community, though, is there's a lot of people that refuse to heal. So they bleed on everybody. It's like, I'm not going to deal with my shit. So, but you're dealing with your shit over there. So fuck you, because you look like you got your shit together. And so now you're hated because you're working on your shit. Because this person does not want to deal with it. They won't acknowledge that they have a problem. They won't take responsibility for their healing. So you have all kinds of stuff on the veteran end that's getting in the way of people just listening to the people that are trying to do a damn thing about keeping themselves alive or, you know, keeping other people alive or whatever, like just trying to tell their story and stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm going to switch it just a little bit to kind of give a little bit of perspective for the civilian end of things, like on the aviation side of civilian stuff, right? In sexual assaults in an airplane, like imagine like how many women flight attendants have seen or or been or have experienced some kind of sexual trauma, right? Like uh, one inst- well, one uh, flight attendant mentioned she saw a, a grown ass man just lay across a row of seats and just beat off while kids are around him and shit, right? Oh and, my God. Yeah. On a plane? Like, on a plane, yeah. Where was this the sky marshal and why wasn't that guy shot? Heck if I know, right? And you would think that, right? And so she, she you know, she confronts him like, hey, you're... There are kids around you, bro. Pull your pants up and fu- quit fucking off, right? And stuff like that happens all the time. I mean, if there are flight attendants out there or in-flight air crew that knows some shit about this, I guarantee there's some uh, there's some more fuckery going on, right? And then one in five flight attendants have at least witnessed a passenger being uh, harassed or sexually assaulted. One in five flight attendants have been assaulted. And then out of all of those... Only 7% of it gets reported. And that's just in a plane. Like, imagine, like, you got nowhere else to go. (laughs) You know, like, you just kind of have to, uh, if it does happen, you just kind of have to disconnect and just hope it ends quickly and then spend the rest of the flight, however long that is, and with the perp on the plane with you until you're able to report something. I never really thought about that. That's fuck. Yeah. (laughs) And then I I hear stories from all sorts of people. And this is kind of like where the sexual abuse awareness month really hit home for me especially this year because uh we have podcasters and influencers like you two and then a bunch of whole others they're making a difference they're throwing their voices out showing their examples and it's making more people voice up you know like 2020 was just that bad a year that you know you know what i'm i'm, I'm tired of it the the mental uh the mental illness uh 
damn broke and now it's just gonna flood out and i'm just gonna say it all put it all out for everyone to hear and some of the stories we heard are from close friends of ours that we would never would have expected that these things would happen you know but but it, it's the sad part is it's a lot of it is all common common denominator stuff like mm-hmm. it was somebody i trusted it was somebody who i never thought it would do it to me uh like uh we we so from- we well, say for my end of things, a lot of the people, a lot of the women that I know that have gone through, um, gone through a similar, similar thing as you, uh, you ladies have, it was all, it was a family member. It was a close friend. It was somebody that they, like six said, somebody that they trusted. It wasn't a, a random stranger in some location, you know, at a bar or whatever it was, you know, in their home or, you know. At a, at a family get together, some stuff like that. It was, it's crazy how much of it is somebody that they, they, they've known for a while and trusted. Yeah. And that like talking about that, like I grew up, like, you know, you saw those horror shows and stuff. And I was taught that it is a stranger, that it is somebody, you know, to not be alone at nighttime because some random person's going to, you know, get you or just being out alone, whatever. But I was always taught, you know, don't talk to strangers. Like, we're all taught that as kids. And yep. then, like you said, like it, it majority of the <laughs> time, like it is, it's almost like 90% of the time. It is somebody that we've known. Like it's, a, it's what you hear. Somebody we know somehow, whether it was a coworker, a close friend, whatever, that's, that's the crazy part to me is that like, again, we were growing up. Don't talk to strangers. Don't be, you know, put yourself in a situation walking alone at nighttime and just things like that. And how it just completely 180s on that yeah and it wasn't actually it wasn't actually a wolf it was a wolf in sheep's clothing you know what i mean like it's yeah absolutely and i and i think there think there's two common denominators for all of this stuff to happen it's either uh quid pro quo like this for that or it's some kind of a hostile environment where they just wear down your defenses and then right when you're at your most vulnerable that's when they pounce on you so like quid pro, uh, quid pro quo, man, my Latin sucks. Um, like <laughs> this for that, like it's always like someone on a, at a, at a position of influence and you're at some point, like you're less informed or easily, um, swayed, right? Like example, like a, a new employee or a new check into a unit shows up. Here's their, their level three or some kind of E9 status boss, right? Says, Oh, hey, welcome to you. I'll show you around. Right. Okay. Whatever. Or welcome to your new job. I'll show you around. Oh, okay. Whatever. And then it, it like, you never would have guessed like red flags will start coming up. Like this guy is, this person is like preying on you until the deed actually happens. And then you're like at a loss because, well, I'm the new kid on the blog. Is this, is, is this the norm? What do I do? I don't even know who to report it to or who to talk to about it. Cause nobody knows me. I don't know them. And so you're just kind of at this loss. And then your only option at this point is just to bottle it up and just hope for the best that they got their fill and move on. Did I, did I cut out everybody? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, you're so you're still there. Just, yeah. So just it's thinking, so it, thinking about stuff. Yeah. So I mean, it's either, and, and a, another example, I think uh, this was on another podcast where a new check-in comes in, never, never been to this place in ever doesn't know a single person there. First person to show them around was like, okay, hey, let's go around. Hop in the truck. Okay, hop in the truck. Yeah. And then you're thinking they're going to drive you to where you need to go. And then all of a sudden you pass it or you think you passed it. Like, well, maybe there's something else. 
or maybe there's another way in or something like that. And then they pull over to an alley and, and then, um, I, I mean, I don't know how graphic you guys care about this, but like they pull them out, pull them out, do the deed. And then just kind of like, let you sit there with it. And like, and then it kind of turns into like the flight attendant on the plane. Like, well, do I stick around or what do I do? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think people know how to react. It's one of those, I'm in a position of power and you, if you want your career to go well, whether it's military or civilian, um, you know, I can do this for you. What are you going to do for me? And they hold that over you. And then let's say they unfortunately uh, get their way for lack of a better word, you know? Uh, and then, and then after that, they either one don't follow through with what they said and, and, or they do, but they treat you like, like less than dirt because they just, it's just the egotistical maniacs that they are, you know, it's just, it's so shitty. And like today, I just, I just today, I heard uh, a couple of guys are veterans, but civilian side now. And they were talking about you and six said it new, you know, new arrivals and they were over in Korea and every, every, I think they said every Thursday, the, the plane comes in, bringing in new, new people to the base. And they said the guys would just line up on the fence and wait for the females to get off and say, dibs 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 like what the hell is that you know what i mean when i got to my first duty station uh you get picked up by like a staff duty person sorry if you guys can hear my four-year-old yelling at me uh uh, you get picked up down at uh like main post and stuff and you get taken up to wherever you're gonna go and uh the guy that was on staff duty that night after he dropped me off at my room for the rest of the night every incoming soldier he got told he told him what room i was in and said hey there's a girl up at this room at this building that looks easy so just so you know and the only way i found out about it was because someone actually came and told me that like hey someone's given out your number to everybody coming through in processing right now and so just like kind of you know, watch yourself. Cause I got dropped off in basically an infantry barrack. Uh, there was one other female in, and there was a three-story building. I don't know how many rooms. It was just me and one other female and the rest were dudes. And so if like, for me, my situation was these guys knew I was in this building and would watch me do laundry, would watch me go to the bathroom. Cause they all use that bathroom too. And there's no curtain. Well, you guys had to no, share restrooms. No, it was because it was an all male building that they decided they would take over the female latrines because it was like, why should we not use them? There's no women that live here. And so they would just come in and I'd try to, so I'd have to shower at like two, three in the morning, like run in, run out because I didn't want anyone to walk in. And so it was just constantly hiding all the time. And my situation ended up being as simple as someone offered to help me carry groceries up to my room and they shoved their way into my room. Like it was as simple as, hey, this guy's in a uniform. I just came out of basic and we're all like cool together and we're buddies and this stuff. And everybody's like one team, one fight. And and then you find out like you're not all in the same, like you're not all in the same team. Like some people are just shit bags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that goes into like that. What I was saying with the hostile environment, right? Like you're you're sitting in a pool full of sharks and you're just kind of waiting until the first one like takes the bite and then, and then everything turns into a feeding frenzy, you know, yeah, like they smell blood, you know what I mean? And then just yeah. swarm. Like how many men, women from all across the board have, have seen that happen where like you just walk in and you, you were, the eyes immediately point to you and they kind of just slowly pick away at you until there's nothing left for you to, to defend. 
to defend yourself with. And then now it's just like, okay, who's going to be the one to take the bite first? I mean, I've seen this happen at work. I've seen this happen outside of work, like say at a, at a get together, a party, a bar even. And it, and it's, it's like the, like national geographic, like they just slowly wear, wear the, their prey down until they can't defend themselves. And then now it's easy pickings, you know, like Lonnie was saying though, but living in that constant heightened state of awareness, fear, I guess, you know, always looking over your shoulder, who's following me down the hall. Who's you just trying to, just trying to take a shower. Like, man, is somebody in here? I thought I heard something. It's like you like the movie Psycho, right? When when she's in the no, shower, comes yeah. in, and you're constantly like, "Somebody here!" Like, what? That's no, that's no, no way to live, especially when you're all supposed to be one team, one fight. Like you were saying, we're all cool, right? We're all on the same team, but every, a lot of people are just out for themselves. Yeah, and um, this this kind of transitions to um, like consent. You, you know, like everyone always, there's always this stigma going on. Like when there's alcohol, it's like instant consent. Oh, well, like, or, or another one is the jeans alibi. And I'm sure a lot of women out there know what I'm talking about when I say the jeans alibi. But Mm -hmm. for, for those of you who don't know the jeans alibi, it stems from a a court case where this dude rapes a girl and then he gets off because they said like, well, she wore tight jeans. So in order for him to have sex with her, she had to have taken them off. Because it was that tight. And I'm just you like, know, nobody took into consideration the whole ass age group on that, too. She yeah. was like a teenager still. And I, I'm almost positive she was like 18. But he was in his fucking 40s. Like, I mean, granted, yes, Italy probably has a different culture, whatever. Because I know everybody has different cultures, whatever, not knocking it. But yeah, like that, that, <laughs> that was the first thing I read before I even got to like when I first ever read about the gene alibi. I didn't get to that point yet. I was just like, the first thought in my head was, holy fuck, that's an age gap. Like, you are preying on a child. Oh, yeah. You're a fucking weirdo. And then, like, for them to rule the whole genes thing. Oh, God. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. That got got me spooling up pretty good, too. Right? I'm like, you're thinking about, like, come on now, man. Like, let's be real, man. If you can be in a damn bomb suit, and if a person is committed to doing un unwarranted acts to you they're gonna find a way to, sh- to freaking shed that off it doesn't matter if whether you consented to it it doesn't matter like if you helped them do it the the fact is they came in there with the intent to violate your your free will and they're gonna more or less they're gonna get their way if you don't try to get get out of it first and half the time you don't even know how this is kind of going a little bit into the gray areas but some of that consent also goes into like online dating especially because now we're in co- we're still in covid times and you can't just casually go meet somebody or you can't just have like open forums and then just somehow hit it off with someone right so online dating has been kind of a big thing as of recent and a lot of people feel that since we matched or swipe right on each other on online dating sites or whatever. That's like instant consent because, well, you agreed to meet me. So green light. Right. And, oh man, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you some well, of the it's horrors. It's one of those. It's like, it's like, they didn't say yes, but they didn't say no either. And people really take, take some, take some, take some liberties with that one. Yeah. So like, this is kind of going into like online dating tips uh, real fast, but if you see somebody and it's either a group picture or it's only like one or three pictures or they say like they're super educated and their English is broken, 
red flag, you know, <laughs> or if they or they're so quick to like, oh, let's connect. Let's do this. Like asking for your number and shit, but they don't mean give you like a like a video chat or social media connection, something to that effect. Like, OK, red flag. But again, like some people, like they're really desperate for that for that companionship and they feel like, OK, this person's pretty good to go. They come in and then they turn into that statistic. But uh, you, they you never really consider that going in like, oh, it's never going to happen to me. Like I've checked my boxes and it's it's where it's it lines up to where I what I want to do. And the one thing I know for sure about consent is like at any point in time, re- consent is retractable. And oh, very I've, much so. And especially when there's alcohol involved or any kind of uh, mind in, or thought inhibiting devices, that's like instant no. But then again, you know, we run into those issues where, oh, alcohol is involved. Like, then they must have wanted it. They both must have wanted it. Well, I talked about it in one of my episodes that Missouri actually passed a fucking a law that if you were intoxicated, you can't claim rape. What? What? I mean, did they really even have a, a population to first off? But secondly, like, yeah, they did a whole ass law that says that if it is proven that they that somebody tries to claim rape and that they is proven that they are intoxicated. Jen didn't read it like how they didn't really explain on how the fuck to prove it. Like, yeah, OK, you can run a breathalyzer alcohol stays in your system for certain periods of time. But who's to say that that person doesn't finally, you know, because a lot of people just can't report shit right off the rip. A lot of people, that's a lot of people cannot just talk about that shit. So you can say, let's go, you know, a week later. They finally process it, what happened, whatever. How are you going to prove that they had alcohol? Oh, well, she did have alcohol. She was consensual. Is that what you're just going to do? Just go word of mouth on that one? Because then that's horseshit. It's absolute horseshit. You can make a fucking law that says, oh, you had alcohol. So you can't claim rape. And for me personally, that hits fucking close to home because that's what happened to me that I was fucking unconscious as fuck after drinking, you know, after drinking with a group of friends that I had been friends with since elementary school, just for a close friend to do that to me while I was unconscious and in and out because I'd been drinking so much. You were, you were about to say something, Lonnie. I'll just say when, like, if you look at Missouri, the law wise, and I'm not going to try to justify their shitty behavior, but a lot of stuff Missouri does is not for women's rights. They are, oh God, no. they are very far behind. I'm in Kansas. I mean, the Midwest is not always the place you want to be if you're a woman because things are behind. And so it's, it's sad that they do it, but it's not surprising, especially if you're from around here, because they are just not for women really having a voice for shit. So well, it's, it's amazing. Like you, you almost want to say like these people making laws like do you not have daughters of your own? Oh, that's what I but that's because they're rich enough to protect them. I mean, they're not going to the same schools or in the same like they're they got their bodyguards and all this shit like these politicians like half these girls that they can protect their kids for the most part because they don't have that just they're not experiencing life the way the rest of us really are. Yeah, I, yeah, it's true, I suppose. I it's just still like, you know, no, there's just no heart. It's all, it's all just me, me, me in the decision making and just no, no general thought or concern for anyone else. 
I mean, it's the same as like these politicians that vote against like abortion rights or something like that. But if their daughter gets pregnant, they can afford to send them off to another country or something like that. Like there's these laws that they come up with for everybody else, but they're not following it. They're not doing it. Their kids don't have to abide by it. Like they just it's a like I was saying, it's just a different life. Uh, and and like like you guys hit the nail on the head, all of you. Like when I hear a lot of these um I'm going to go ahead and say heinous acts. When I hear a lot of this, hate a lot of this shit, the first thing I think of is not just the victim. I think of my kids. Like I'm picturing my own kid saying yeah, this to me. That's exactly you know, like, what I do. Like dad, uh, someone, someone violated my, my free will at some point or dad, like if they even have the curse, even tell me, right. If they even have the curse to like, like push through the embarrassment and tell you the parent, like somebody, did something to me right or or whatever like you just see like that that broken face but they don't have it it in them enough to tell you that freaking makes your stomach sink right i mean my vision goes red like when i think about it it puts me into a real dark place and then you start going i understand how that father in texas murdered the dude with his bare hands who who uh, attacked his daughter in their barn you know some Mm-hmm. You understand. So, you understand how the how murders happen in those cases. Yeah. So I'm I'm a, I'm gonna give a little bit of a comedic thing real fast. Um, going into the going into the children thing. So my daughter was five years old at the time. I'm coming to pick her up from school, and I see her. She she sees me. We wave, and then she starts walking to me. And then one of her classmates puts his arm around her like they're like they're homies, like they're dating, like they've been married, and my mind immediately starts going nuts, right? And I start thinking to myself, like, am I really thinking about dropkicking a five-year-old kid? <laughs> you know? Well, I do the interior. Like, she'll, my daughter will talk to me. And she's like, oh, I was talking to so-and-so or I'm playing this game online with so-and-so and it's a it's a boy's name, you know? And I said, well, who's that? The classmate? I start going into interrogation mode, you know? <laughs> I do the same thing. I'm like, who's their parents? Where do they live? What's up? Right? So... I tell my I tell my wife this like oh hey I I'm just I I really had a moment where I was really thinking about Spartan kicking a five year old and she laughs her ass off right like thought it was the funniest shit in the world like you're really not gonna do that I'm like yeah the fuck I was <laughs> because it's a freaking dude just like shows up puts his arms around my kid like he done owns her like fuck no and then but that's that's why I'm training that's why I'm training her younger brothers to be a couple little ass whoopers and just in case you know what I'm saying <laughs> right that that goes into like I'm, I'm gonna flip the script a little bit like what um what would you do if you were the one who were wrongfully accused of any type of violence to include sexual violence and rape what would you guys do Fuck. like if i was accused of of raping someone yeah or like sexually harassing somebody any anything of the effect where like uh the lights immediately the spotlight immediately turns to you and you're like well, what the fuck? They're perp- I'm like, oh, fuck. I mean, I, I wouldn't even know how to comprehend that. Like me sitting here, I guess with my mindset and how I was raised, like that's not a thought process like ever in my head. So to even yeah. imagine it, I'm like, what the fuck? Because like, <laughs> like just alone with my situation a month later, like this isn't rape, you know, mine was domestic violence, but a month later, he accused me of after he hit me and choked me and shit that I grabbed his arm when he tried to run down the stairs and slapped him three times. What? And- oh, I've, I've heard several, several scenarios um, from several other women I know out here that uh, have gone through a similar thing like you. They got the shit kicked out of them 
And then the dude was like, oh, well, but she slapped me in the cross the face. So she slapped you across the face and you sent her sailing over the over the stairs. Like, what the hell? Exactly. Like when the person told me this, you know, again, it was like a day or two before it actually hit like an official month since it happened. And they were like, yeah, there's a new allegation. And this is what is now being said when three days prior to this, when I had talked to, you know, another person. There was no allegation made against me. So just in a magical three-day time frame, you know, all of a sudden I slapped him and I looked at her. I said, all due respect. I said, if I actually was going to do something, I would have probably just Spartan kicked him down the stairs. But I was so pissed off that he had the balls to say, like, to say that I slapped him after he hit me. Who the I should have slapped the bitch out of you at that point. Like, what? Yeah. And and imagine like what what that feels like. I mean, you you obviously do, but imagine and every listeners out there, imagine feeling that where you're accused of something that you know for sure you didn't do, and then you start questioning yourself like, well, did I do it? Right? You you like you you start questioning your very livelihood. Like, did I really do it? Like like I know it's not I true, mean, but but was for it? For me, I think I would do. I'd be like, um, well, all right, let's see. Are there cameras in the vicinity where I'm at? I'm going to pull all the camera footage that I can. Uh, I'm going to lawyer up. I'm going to get all these character statements, you know, like to from people that know me or whatever else. And, you know, I just because like, like Jay was saying, it's not a thought that ever really has been brought up. You know what I mean? Like, I've never really had to think about it. So just going off the top of my head now, I guess the only thing I could really do is just try to try to defend myself and get a bunch of people who know me to actually go in my defense as well, you know? Right. And, and then, playing and then, devil's advocate though on that, like, you know, yeah, you have these character statements, but when I think about like with my person, like if he, he had character statements and that's why he got off when he actually did, even with the pictures of the proof that I had, like the markings on my face, the bruises that were there for a whole fucking week. And he still got off. And that that my thing was like going off of what you said is you know the character statements and stuff like that but like what were we doing if you're going to accuse me like was i even with you what was i doing that day like because yeah, again can i prove I, that i wasn't in your area you know what i mean like even with you and even if we were with you one were we even alone two again what were we doing were we at a party were we at you know somebody's house are we out you know at the mall or something if kids even do that still um and that would be my thought process like if you're accusing me okay well when the fuck did this supposedly happen that would be my first question because when am i ever going to put myself in a situation I totally to where i can be accused of that you know what i mean right, right. and then but and then like you still there are people out there who have been wrong who've been accused of stuff like this and for one reason or another where to be vengeful where there's kind of like he said she said or he said he said she said she said whatever whatever the case may be but like it's it, it can tip in either way and you're like starting to question your own character and then everyone already starts to blame you because someone cried wolf first and mm-hmm. you're just sitting there spinning a well I was spinning with it like holy shit like my life is literally about to end because because of shit that I supposedly never did I'm like oh, oh my- dude I was shitting bricks when she told me that allegation I was shitting bricks like I ain't gonna lie because just that fear like I know I didn't do it you know there was no police report. There was no pictures. There was no, no, it's a month later. And then I start second guessing myself, like, what the fuck? 
Like this is what's going to potentially happen because then you look at situations like Corporal Teo where she's been in the brig for a year now and she didn't even physically cause any harm to her boyfriend. And he's even advocating for her to get released. The person that, you know, she supposedly had a PTSD outbreak on, but the Marine Corps is still keeping her in the brig when she is known, you know, on paper, known every, like by everybody that she needs mental health help. And that's how, you know, they hide the mental health thing instead of actually advocating to, to, to fight, to fix it. You know what I mean? Or to, to, to get her the proper help she needs. They just bury it down and, Oh, it's out of sight, out of mind. If we just avoid Mm -hmm. it, if I don't look at it, it doesn't exist. You know? Oh, absolutely. And like I said, I was like, I I literally (laughs) called a lawyer that same day. And I was like, what the fuck? Like this didn't fucking happen. Blah, blah, blah. Like I'm tripping the fuck out. He was like, calm down, come in my office. We'll talk about it. But because, you know, I took the steps that I needed to, to prove, you know, that he actually did it to me and he did not, then I was fine. But it's just looking at, you know, past things that have happened, are happening, whatever. But yeah, it goes back to like, what was your thought process be? I was shitting bricks because I fucking just got accused of something I didn't even do. And even with the the proof that I didn't do anything. Well, and the unfortunate part is that even in today's world, even with the proof that you didn't do something, I mean, we've seen several times where that still hasn't panned out, you know? Oh, absolutely. I am. <laughs> there's whole other fucking stories that go to in irrelevant that. Yes. Nope. Felt that one in my soul. <laughs> yeah. Per- perception is 80% of reality, right? <laughs> fucking hate that saying. Oh my God. Uh, but it's so true though. Yeah. So, uh, every day. so huh. here, here's one. Like, so how do you tell if someone has been a victim of, of some kind of abuse or sexual violence how do you how do you like how do you like approach them and then give that space where they can actually like tell you what happened like how would you approach like how would you approach that well because that would also be difficult right because now they're that the victim is is real jaded and they're real standoffish against anybody who's trying to get close to them because of what happened right you know what happened in their situation so now they're real defensive against anybody, even if you're just genuinely coming in and trying to be a friend and trying to talk to them and help this and that, they're still going to be super defensive against you and push back because they, they just don't trust anybody now. Right. Uh, Lonnie, you were saying something. I was just going to say, it kind of depends because I mean, for someone like me that uh, I kept quiet for the six years I was in the army about it. I didn't tell anybody. So nobody would have known to approach me because I wasn't going to let on. And when I got to the VA after I got out, uh, one of the first things they ask you when you're signing up and enrolling is, do you want to make any claims for MST? Like they just flat out put it out there. And I said, no, because I was just going to stick to it. Like didn't happen, just kept pushing it down. And one of the reasons why I didn't open up was because one of the people that were in my uh, my company uh, during active duty uh, who was sexually harassing me nonstop, like we're talking drive-bys, like coming by my house and looking in my windows and like just total creeper status. He ended up becoming a patient advocate at my VA. Oh, Jesus. Holy shit. So you want to talk like when the VA's and they're saying you can talk to us. I know you can't because some of those people that are working in the VA are veterans and they are the ones that were raping and harassing and assaulting people while they were in the service. And now they got this job. 
And so uh, there isn't really always a way to approach people because people are going to be standoffish and people like me, I I have no trust for who I like can talk to and stuff like that. Because even for me, like opening up to peers, even saying like, hey, I'm having a hard time. I got harassed out the ass by other female service members after I got assaulted. They ran with it. Like they could tell something was up because some rumors started going around, but of course it wasn't rape or assault. It's you fuck somebody and you're a whore and they were relentless. And so I didn't want people approaching me and I was going to say that nothing happened no matter what. And I think that's true for even the civilian world because but myself and MVP, we've seen some individuals who who showed signs like they had some weight on the shoulders. But as soon but uh everyone starts doing the rumor mill and saying like, oh yeah, she had it with this person or she gets around with that person or she's sleeping with this manager, director, whatever the case may be. Like just instantly starting to draw conclusions without even like at least uh, having some form, some string of facts, like they just instantly just draw it, like without even knowing what's going on or even asking how to do it. And I think you guys have all, I think you guys have all hit the nail on the head. It's like, well, it kind of depends who the person is, and then what's your r- relationship to that person. Like, if you're just some random stranger, the fuck no, they're not gonna say nothing. Like, who are you to even know what's going on with my life, right? See, it really depends with that, though. It all depends on how you approach it, because like, obviously, you're not going to approach that person right off the rip. Like, hey, um, I heard you got sexually assaulted. Like, what's up? You want to talk about it? Like, no, you're not just going to approach them with that. And even if they're in some type of trouble, like it's going back to knowing your audience. And, you know, I'm one of those big advocates that if you tell me to stay away, like for another female, for example, I actually did this. Um when I first hit, you know, got to my first unit, I was told to stay away from a certain female because, you know, she had all these rumors against her, just the typical high school bullshit. Like yeah, all these yeah, stupid. Just rumors. because you graduate, you don't get away from it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I was like, okay, well, she's older like me. She's actually older than me. We're the same rank. So fuck it. I'm gonna become friends with her just because y'all told me not to. Because I am a firm believer. I make my, like with me personally, I make my, you know, my opinion of somebody off of what I learned. I don't give a fuck that you don't like her or don't like him. I don't give a fuck about none of that. Like I'm going to form my opinion on how I get to know them and how they fucking treat me. And that's, that's my biggest thing is just knowing the person, you know, just not even the first time if you don't know them, you know, just be, say, Hey, how you doing today? Like just little shit like that could actually, and then that starts to build that relationship. And I actually did that with another, you know, a female, she was going through some shit, like straight up, not having a good time, got all the flames in the background. Like, and I knew it, I heard the rumors, whatever, but I take it upon myself when I know things like that, it's just little things like, Hey, how you doing today? Or shooting the text, like, Hey, I'm going to go eat chow today, but let's go get chow. I'll pick you up. Like just the team. Well, yeah, that can, that can make anybody's day because they're, they're fighting that battle all alone, you know, and they think they're all alone. But you get one nice, nice person to say, hey, you know, let's go grab something to eat today at lunch. R- really? Me- with me? You you want to go with and it? Just that just changes their whole outlook on life for me. Like, oh, man, I'm not alone. Like there's somebody here. I have a friend. You know what I mean? And there's something to be said for for a friend. 
Yep. And that, that, that builds that, you know, that comfortability and eventually over time, you know, just sh- like just doing little things like that just shows like, Hey, I give a shit and I actually give a shit. And then that builds that comfortable level. Like, okay, well, you know, they're going out of their way just to do this little stuff. Then that can open that doorway for them because typically you don't want to push the person or poke that bear. If you know, they're going through shit and you don't know if they want to talk about it or not, you don't want to be just flat out. Like, yeah, I heard those rumors, like let them come to you about it and then be like, yeah, I heard about it, but I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't know how you felt. And a lot of times, like I've had that happen multiple times to where I just let, you know, built that friendship, built that comfortability. And then they'll them come to me about it. And they're like, why didn't you, you know, ask me about it? Like everybody else is. I said, because I know that's not what you want. Or you want to just ask me that question. Like they don't like a lot of times, you know, victims, survivors, whatever you call it, you know, it, they don't want a lot of times they don't want to talk about it. They don't, they want to do things to forget about it. And I know I talked about this in one of my episodes. I think it was actually the one with Rochelle. It's just doing the littlest things to show people that you give a shit and they just want to be distracted. You know, that's, that's what it is. Like for me, (laughs) this project, even though I keep talking about like my incident, but you know, doing the podcast and doing this project has distracted me from mentally just dying down from dealing with what I'm dealing with. And that's what a lot of people look forward to is just that distraction. You know, eventually you do have to like talk about it to heal from it, you know, whatever, however you decide to cope with it. But it's just a lot of the times people just want that distra- distraction and not have to think about it. Right. And I think uh, wait, put, let's put in the mindset of the victim, right? They've lost basically all sense of self-value, right? Self-esteem in the dirt, self-value in the dirt, like, uh, I'm gonna take this from you, Lonnie. Like it's it's better for them to put a gun in their mouth than to let whatever in their soul out of their mouth. You know, um, it, it, you guys hit the nail on the head. Like sometimes you just gotta like play the long game. And like, hey, I'm actually here. I'm a friend. I'm a safe spot where you can actually like feel a sense of value and feel like you're a human being again. Have that little bit of self back. And then you can start the, the actual healing process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but what I can say about that before you like move on, but uh, when my shit happened to me, it kind of just like was like the daisy chain of fucking problems that happened after that. Like I just got into shitty relationships, shitty things. And so I got to a point where I had no value, no self-esteem, all these things. I lost kind of like my worth when it was uh, not just like, the only worth I had was like, oh, I'm a soldier. Cool. I'm doing things for my country. That was like all I had. So I latched onto that. But I had such little value in myself that when someone did come to me and say, hey, I will help you. I said, I don't fucking deserve it. It was my fault. And I don't want help because I have to, I got myself into it. Right. That's what everyone says. And so it's like, I have to get myself out. So I pushed away at people that said they would help me. Cause it was like, no, I'm a piece of shit. I don't deserve it. Right. And I got to a lot of points. I got a lot of points where I was like, I should just kill myself. I should just let it go because I'm weak and it hurts. And this got to me and I'm supposed to be a soldier. I'm supposed to buck up and be indestructible and like this superhuman stuff like that. And I'm not being that. And so I'm a failure. So it was like, no one can help me because I wasn't at a point where I was ready to help myself till many years later. 
And I think that's a subject that's not touched on a whole awful lot. They People only really talk about the incident and never really the aftershock and the mm-hmm. emotional distress that goes with it and the self-loathing and hating. And that that alone is such a massive hurdle to try to get over, right? It, just like you said, Lonnie, it's takes years, years to, to tell yourself. And you can have some people like, no, you, you, you're, you're worth it. You're worth this. But it, it's really, it just takes in your own time to, for you to get to yourself and say, when you look in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the fucking, I'm the champ. I'm there. I'm that person. I'm not a piece of shit. Fuck everybody else type thing. It, it just takes a while. Yeah. It's not my fault, right? Like how many people out there, victims and all have yet to he- hear that and then say it to themselves as well. Like, it's not your fault. It's not my fault. I, I did. I, I was out of control of the situation. There was an, absolutely nothing that I could have done. It's not my fault. Some people have have yet to even hear that for the first time. But but ladies, do you think that's because? Do you think that's because? Um, after the incident, you had said you had several other veterans and even some of them being females come to you and basically tell you to get over yourself and get wrecked. And do you think that that Part of it is what causes that self-loathing when you're like, Jesus, I went through this and you're still going to shit on me. I had a lot of people. I had a lot of people that made me very ashamed and feel like I was just, uh, what I always got like, with dealing with like stuff like MST and saying like how it kind of like catapulted me into like other bullshit in my life. It definitely led me into like domestic violence and all these things. But it was this idea that, really just i don't even really know how to put it now uh yeah i totally lost my thought <laughs> like you're trying to fill a void right and what it's just like you're so lost in yourself that uh everything people say to you sticks it is so easy mm-hmm. to just let it everyone else's opinion is now your opinion of yourself because you're so lost. And so you're at that vulnerable point where now you have all these people that are just telling you to suck it up. And it, I mean, it hurts and you're trying, but it's like, you're trying to have a human reaction to something and you're being told you can't do it. And so you kind of just hit this point of like, sometimes it's not even about like the MST or the stuff that happened. It's about your reaction to it. For me, it was my reaction as being a soldier. And so the shame and the self guilt completely outweighed what physically had happened to me at some point. At some point it was like, whatever, I have all this government issued gear. I guess my body's government issued at this point. Don't own it. It's going to get beat to shit anyways. And I just stopped caring about the fact that someone had violated my body and done something to me. And it became a point of the harassment about having had something happen to me because then that became my full opinion of myself and my image of myself see that right there is some that right there's some like i can't even like i'm i'm picturing your you telling me this face to face and i'm also tell uh, picturing like my loved ones telling me this i'm like, like i can't fathom like it's one of those like it's too horrible to be real you, you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and i think that's where everyone kind of hits that that wall that breaking point like it's too horrible to be r- real life and so they kind of they don't want to embrace they they just want to disconnect just like just like how the victims were like this is too horrible i don't want to hear this i just want to focus on the positive shit but like all things like if you just ignore it if you avoid it it's only gonna make that that dark side that much darker right and i hear i hear this from a lot of therapists too like sometimes in order for it to be less impactful you gotta just go you gotta go in there rip the scab and then dig into the infection 
But like mm-hmm. the, the hard part is just knowing that you have a problem because how many individuals like they sit with it, they don't even realize that they have an issue or that they're sitting with a problem or that the, the opinions is not in fact theirs. Right. So what what did you uh, ladies and listeners out there, what do you think that we can do to help somebody who is unsure or unwilling to find help? I really feel like when it, when someone's unsure, as shitty as it might sound, sometimes you have to let people get there themselves. Because you can't force people to heal. You can't force people into therapy because some people are going to kick back at it. And so the shitty part is sometimes you have to kind of help them find something that's worth living for, something that's worth healing for, a reason to get better, a reason to want to change that piece about themselves. Because for me, it was like, you don't get past that self-loathing very easily. So for me, it was having a kid like, if I don't fix this, I'm going to kill myself. And what does my kid do? And so uh, I know I've written stuff like in my book, I said, don't attach yourself to people, especially when it comes to like finding a reason to live, because if you don't have them, what are you living for? But you have to get someone to want to heal. You can't lead them there. It's a whole like, can lead a horse to water, but right, it's that you can't help others who don't want to help themselves type thing. Cause they're only going to heal as much as they're going to allow themselves. Like you can sit there and tell somebody all day long, this is what you have to do. And if you just do this, if you take this first step, you're going to feel better. You're going to live another day. And if they just are not ready to go that route, it's not going to happen. Even if it means salvaging themselves, it means living a little bit longer. Some people just aren't going to take that step till something clicks in their life that says, are you going to survive today or not? Are you going to change this or not? Are you going to let it eat you alive from the inside out? Like, I know it's not the greatest answer, but I think some people just have to fucking find their way themselves, but know that they have people like people have their back. Like you're not alone, but yeah, I would agree. I mean, I would agree with you, Lonnie. I think it's one of those like, hey, I'm here if you need me, you know, type type situation with certain people how and how they respond to that, um, to, to somebody trying to help them. Hey, I'm here. I'm here to talk to. Um, and but you got to let them get to the point where they say, because you try to tell them like all the positive things in their life, like this, 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 this. And it's it, you don't they, really they it. understand it, but they aren't accepting it. Until, like you said, one day they wake up and they're like, this is it. This is what I'm, this is what I'm meant to do. And that's you know? really for me, because I've dealt with, I've been doing my podcast since beginning of 2019. I've talked to a lot of veterans and I've had a lot of, I've taken people in that had nowhere to go, let veterans like put them up in a, my house was kind of like Motel 6. I'll leave the light on for you. Like I'll fucking take people in. Just so they, they're off the street so I can give them that one little bit. Like I can put a roof over your head. I can do the kind of the, the physical stuff for you in terms of like shelter, but I can't make you want to heal. And so what I've learned from the people that were suicidal or getting to that point was uh, you show them they're not by themselves. For me, it was just by like, here's a place to stay. Here's some food for your belly, stuff like that. Simple things like I'll take care of you in this aspect. But... I'm not going to force you to therapy. I'm not going to force you to even choose to live today. If you choose to, you know, go your route, it's your life. But every time they always got to the point where it's like, I'm ready. And then I drove them to a VA intake or I drove them to wherever they need to go to get the help. But it was never like, 
hey, you know, you're pretty fucked up. You should probably go to therapy or something like even just like in a nicer way of being like, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, the VA is great or something like that. Uh, It always came down to let them not feel alone in the moment and then see what they do with it. Mm -hmm. And it can be really surprising because I've had people that were like this person, I'm going to come home. This person's going to be dead. But it was just the fact that I let them into my home and I showed them they weren't alone. And they took that moment to be like, you know what? I'm not by myself. There are people out there. I do got a buddy. And they made that decision. Hey, you know what? Drive me there. I'm ready to go. You know, that's just that one act of kindness changed their whole, whole outlook. You know, they said, wow, it's the world isn't the world isn't complete shit. There are still decent humans out there who care. You would think that it it, like you said, just giving a shit. You would think (laughs) it's really simple. Like, that's the one thing I wish and want to just get out, like getting people, certain people's heads, too, is that literally just give a shit, just the slightest bit of shit, because we all have problems. Yes, we all have problems. Yeah, but we got to get over that one up and shit because everybody's exactly. got problems. And so like, everybody's like, yeah, fuck your problems. I'm dealing with my own fucking problems. <laughs> like, so I agree okay. with you on that because so many people are like, oh, man, I'm having a shit day. And somebody's like, oh, you think you're having a shit day? I, I, I blew out a tire on the way to work. It's like, no, just, well, what's up? You know, tell me, tell me what's, tell me what's going on. Don't, don't bring your shit into it. Just, and it's just hey, about what's, changing, what's going on with yeah. you? Changing your tone, like for one fucking second, swallow whatever bullshit you got going on because it could be something so stupid, like something so dumb or it's something you caused, for example, like that sergeant, who you know, caused his domestic violence cases, whatever, side note. Um, but it's just just little things, just changing your tone, just changing what you say, like literally instead of saying, well, this is what the fuck I had wrong. Oh, oh yeah, that's what happened with you. Well, okay, well, what's going on? You want to talk about it or what? What you want to bitch about it? Go ahead, go for it. Like I, I will sit here, I will pull a chair next to you, and forget about my fucking issues because you mentally might be handling like your situation might seem smaller than mine, but you could be handling it way fucking different than I would. So that's There's the thing. A lot like of people, not. I would- there's a lot of people, though, that I served with the military that are fully incapable of putting themselves in somebody else's shoes or just being aware of how something else is affecting somebody. Like, it's asking too much for them to be like, oh, this isn't about me. I have to have a little bit of empathy for a second or some sympathy. Like, some people just don't have any emotional intelligence whatsoever. Well, that's a good point. There are there are some who are just just lack the ability to be a decent human for 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. Or they're, they're listening to answer, not listen, not listening with yeah, the intent to listen to respond to it. Yeah. Like, okay. Like how do I, how do I give the quick an answer just so I can get out of here? Right. Like you've, you've already invested more than what you felt that you could have given. Like you just asked the question, but you didn't actually intend to hear it. And that's the thing that I think really chaps my, my brain about is like, if you're going to ask the question, stick around, right? You read, you open the door and now you got to like stick with it. Even even if even if you have to fake the phone and just uh, listen and then say okay like here what's what's a way I can direct you to or just like stop them right there like hey like this is well above my league uh, there's nothing I can do it's overwhelming my uh, my ability to help but hey let's get you somewhere where someone That's, can I wish people would just straight up say when they just can't handle it instead of just being like oh yeah 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 cool 
Like, oh damn, that's I, crazy. I this is just get... too much for me to handle at the time. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not the one type thing. Yeah, that would be probably be so much easier. Yeah, and then some. And then like what you ladies were saying, like like uh, just sharing your your story, sharing your experiences, that drives other people to finally to come forward and say stuff. Some have been sitting on it for ye- months, years. Uh, example is uh on the Blackberry Advocacy podcast, uh, all these stories of people who just, who sat with it for like seven plus years, eight plus years, 15 plus years. And then they finally realized it was wrong, that it wasn't supposed to happen. And then they finally show, uh, come up about it. And, and I think that's like one of the big changes or the big differences we, we as a whole and in everyone who, who's um, moving forward with this kind of movement is, we just want to be want you to be able to feel comfortable enough to share your story and know that you're not alone and then be able to give an example like there is a light at the end of the tunnel it doesn't have to end with what you perceive is the actual ending wanted to tie into that too right we were talking about hey you know somebody says man i'm having a shit day well what's going on you know stopping the one upsmanship but then beyond just asking them what's going on and letting them tell tell their story follow up with it, you know, after a couple of days, like, Hey, uh, you said you were going to do, do that. Did you actually end up doing that? You know? And they might say, no, nah, I haven't done it yet. Like, well, what's, what's, what's the holdup? You know, I mean, not in a different way, but like, Oh, well, was there an issue where you're not able to get a hold of them? Was the line is like, you know, this and this and that, but follow up. Cause that let's, that still shows that you're, you weren't just listening to answer you're, you're, you're in it to you're invested to help, help them help themselves. Well, that like sometimes with people like doing that, like doing a follow up. Sometimes people just don't want to talk about it. Don't want to go to like, if they do schedule appointments, they don't want to go to these appointments because it's just like, like, what's the point? Like you get just, sometimes you just get so mentally depressed that you're just like, I just want to sit at home, sit on my couch in my blanket and watch TV. I don't want to fucking be around people. I don't want to talk to people. Like I just need, so they don't follow through. They cancel the appointments so they don't show up. And then, you know, that follow up, you know, seeing how they're doing and like, oh, how'd your appointment go? And then just kind of like shows, well, maybe I should go to that appointment. You know, somebody gives a shit. Maybe I should try, you know, try to do yeah. this. Oh, if I don't go to the appointment, I'll let this person down who's who's actively taking an interest in me. So I, I better go do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it also helps like giving it like if you had a personal experience or you had an example where like you were really fighting to not do something better for yourself. And then you finally say, you know what, what's what 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 more do i have to to lose about it and then you find out like this is something that you actually need it right uh again case in point was like some of the stories on blackberg advocacy and other um uh, friends and family who shared with us like they did they they needed to hear someone who had a similar story or they needed to hear someone who had a similar experience and know and had the answer basically read back to them like this yes this is something i should do this is something I needed to have happen. And then they can begin the healing process, however long or long, short, painful or not that it needs to be because that now we're, now we're past, now we're in the steps to actual recovery. <laughs> this, this got pretty dark fast, but again, we're making here to make this uncomfortable <laughs> and we're here to uh, ruffle feathers because there's individuals out there who really need to hear this shit. And if you're one of those, in, if you're one of those individuals that really think that people need to just suck it up and, and tighten their panties or tighten their, 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 uh, their chonies down you're a part of the problem 
and I'm gonna call you on the bullshit. You are part of the problem, and you yourself either need to change or figure out or just stay away from humanity because or, or figure out what's hurting you. That's why you want yeah, to hurt, hurt you. somebody else. You know? <laughs> who hurt you? We're here for you, friend. Who hurt you? So how do you think though? You know, kind of <laughs> turn the tables here, but like, how do you how do you fix people like that? Like, if you so let's say okay, you're a little e three. And, you know, you've got this E6 that's supposed to be in charge of you and they're just making it worse for you. They're literally not supportive, making shit a lot harder for you. But then you're just stuck there and you can't say shit. You just have to fucking take it, you know, take it to the face. And it's like, what the fuck do you do at that point? I, I, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a note of your book. I'm going to start plucking feathers. That's really it. You, <laughs> you know, it's one of those where like, OK, so your method of learning is to make it hurt. So. It's got to, it's got, it's going to hit home for you one way or another, one way or another it needs to hit home for you. It needs to be by an example that you can directly relate to. It needs to be something where you're going to be directly affected by something that you're invested in because it's clear that you're not empathetic of other people's. So maybe it needs to be more turned towards you. I'm not saying punch them. I'm just saying it needs to be driven home somehow, some way, whether it be education or uh, a simulated life event where you're now understanding what it's like to be in a brain in a in a brain in a body where you're not in control of anything like literally nothing like it's just happening and you're just there to take it well so i'm i was never never military um only done military contracting and stuff but could you as the e3 go to the e6's superior and say hey I, this this shit's happening this it's unsat i ain't dealing with it no more and or go to even several levels above that you know the e6's uh superior immediate superior and then hey you got you got a, you got somebody here who ain't uh who ain't following following coloring within the lines you know what i mean so you can uh but you also run into like what we were talking about earlier in the episode is Everybody like in the higher ranks is still stuck in like 2001, for example, <laughs> or, you know, when shit was just a whole different, you know, mentality and you're just, you're stuck. Like you don't, you get that. So I've run into those people, the mindset of, well, I don't know what to tell you, or just, you know, buck up or just avoid it, avoid that conversation and just stay away. Would it be the same for a high-ranking female to find the highest-ranking female officer on base? I mean, what do you think? Shit, it would, finding that is so fucking hard. <laughs> I, I I would agree with you on that, but I'm just 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 spitballing, you know, because I I don't know. The one issue though is that again, this is go off my experience. Not everybody has this, but sometimes women in the leadership positions can be the worst for telling another female, the lower ranking, to buck up and shut up. Yup, they're the ones because they were raised. They already had to do it. So it's like, yep. I made it here. So can you shut up about it? Yep. They don't that give a fuck. The Even if they didn't deal with that same situation, they will you the quickest. Yes, they will fucking eat you alive a lot quicker. And I've never understood that because like... It's competition you know, shit. And it is. And it's bullshit because <laughs> even being older... My dumbass, you know, I was naive to like the, some of the military lifestyle of, you know, women are such a small percentage that I automatically thought like, oh, women empowerment, like, oh, we're going to stick together. Fucking la la land. Oh, hell no. I, was I, think that's all wrong. The, I think that's the same in the civilian world, especially because in the civilian in the civilian world of things, everything's eat, uh, you got to eat your own to get get by, you know, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter who you step on. It doesn't matter who you're. 
you're uh you're fucking over as long as you get yours that's all that matters and that's across the board and it doesn't matter who what when where or why male female whatever they will yeah, i'll put knives will in the back yeah it's one of those they'll they'll i'll put knives in the back of anybody to get to where i want to be type thing so and i hate that fucking mindset like i'm not saying like we got to stand in a circle and sing kumbaya but holy fuck just why is it so hard to just be a fucking decent human, you know, whether military or civilian side, because I had a whole fucking life before the military. I had a whole career, went to school. Like I've shared up a re- an idiot for <laughs> dropping all of that, but whatever I wanted, you know, to earn my title. But as I'm saying though, it's, it doesn't matter what spectrum you're on military or civilian side. It's like, you know, and COVID, going back to the COVID thing, you know, we all lost the sense of what the fuck, you know, to be a human and can't act right. But why, you know, you sit there and look at that person and be like, what in your brain says, I just fuck you. <laughs> like, straight up, like, <laughs> I got to get mine. You know, that's really it. I got to get mine and, what, and whatever it takes. That's really what it is. Uh, I will kind of sort of shift it in a way where. Like if you absolutely feel like you need help or you feel a friend of yours, some acquaintance of yours needs help. Sometimes the third party route is a better way to go. Right. Uh, An example is the rape, abuse and incest uh, national network uh, rain where they have a hotline or and uh, and there and some kind of groups that actually help you address these things like education programs for individuals who want to know how to help or want to know how to uh, detect the signs. Or someone who is a victim, like there is something out there for me to to actually use, right? And some of this stuff, like I myself never knew about it. I didn't even know what rain was. I just thought, oh, like uh, Sapper Helpline or the Sharp Helpline or whatever the the freaking Alphabet Soup acronym it is nowadays. <laughs> just like call this person and like okay, and then you call and then the number doesn't work. Like well, fuck. So going on to that like if you have an issue reach out to somebody please or if you feel someone's having an issue please like a a short text message could end up saving a life and if you absolutely need to talk confidentially confidentially to somebody uh start with rain for instance with their uh, with their helpline or their crisis helpline uh 1-800-656-HOPE-4673 if 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 you don't have those kind of phone pads that have the letters on them anymore <laughs> sorry my age is showing <laughs> so again again you know like something uh, it really all it comes down to and we've been saying it the entire episode is just be a decent human being and give a shit that's really all it boils down to and don't just put your yourself in the victim's eye, uh, viewpoint picture like someone like you hold dear saying that exact same shit to you and just imagine like how much your stomach would fucking sink i couldn't you know Something like that actually happened near and dear to me, and I didn't believe it. It was like no fucking way this can't happen. But then you have to really suck it up and and drive with it because now this is life. Now this is reality. You gotta. What are you gonna do now, right? And it sucks that there's individuals out there who don't have that kind of support. And I really feel for every last one of you. And I hope that hearing this and seeing all our posts and all our all our different uh, campaigns to bring not just awareness but bring a difference helps you and we're hoping someday that all this stuff gets gets uh pushed out like this mindset this stigma needs to just fucking go you know Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, ladies, would um, you guys care to put out your info? So if any listeners out there, you know, maybe they'd feel more inclined to reach out to you and talk, um, you know, after listening to this, they might, might maybe they want to go with somebody who, who's been through it and knows what to do and will actually listen. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. If anyone wanted to hit me up, I have pretty much... I got rid of my website and pretty much all my shit, but you can reach me on either Instagram or Facebook and it's cruise underscore corner K R U S E underscore corner. And I'm on there quite a bit. So if you just shoot me a DM, I'm, I'm always around. I'll zoom. Yeah, so, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so I was just saying I'll zoom call. Like if people need a face to face, I know everybody feels really disconnected right now. So uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you can actually get to the podcast either through Instagram and it's underscore it's effed up. Um, or I am on Facebook now, not hundred percent on Facebook, like, cause I just don't care for it, but I do do, I do do it. Wow. Um, I'm actually on the podcast Instagram page more than I am my personal. So if you need somebody to just give a shit or if you want to tell your story, uh, the beauty of the podcast is that I am 100% anonymous unless you want to put it out there. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be a sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic violence, you know, how you've been ostracized when it comes to, you know, your commands or even just in by your peers. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be military related. You can even be a military spouse or whatever because we recognize that things are just as much as your issue as it is our issue and same it doesn't i don't give a shit if you're male or female we are gender neutral because we recognize that it is it's a both situation you know it doesn't matter whether what's between your legs and that's what we're here for is that we're not just about raising awareness <laughs> my famous saying is we're not just about raising awareness we're about doing the damn thing, making people uncomfortable and ruffling as many feathers as we can. So if anybody needs somebody, you know, Lainey's a phenomenal person. And side note, since she didn't say it, I'm going to say it. I recommend getting her book Bottled Away, which is a very good book to read. Um, so, yeah, but either one of us, I highly recommend you are more than welcome, regardless if it happened years ago. Um, do not hesitate to reach out. Hell, I was just on a podcast the other day and the woman came out for the first time in 14 years. And wow. yeah, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, the reason I'm even able to talk about my situation the way that I am is because I'm using my coping as a tool to, you know, reach out to people. I, I'm using that as fuel. And using it as a coping mechanism when it comes to the podcast and doing this project, because I want to make things change. I don't want, you know, again, I don't want the raw, raw shit of just posting the statistics. You know, that's the one thing why I really connected with Lainey was, you know, we're fucking making shit uncomfortable. And that's how it has to be because, you know, sharing the numbers that everybody's been reading for all these years, nobody cares about that anymore. It's about sticking out and making shit uncomfortable is how things are going to get heard. And I want more people, you know, to join in this, to be a part of this movement, because it's not, it's like I said, it's not just about awareness. It's about doing the damn thing. 
Soapbox over. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All about making that difference. Whatever that little step is, just make a difference. It could could actually save a life or a thousand. KO punch MVP. (laughs) KO punch. Uh, Ladies, appreciate you coming on and telling us your stories. Um, Sorry, you guys had to. Sorry, anybody has to go through it, but sorry, you two had to go through what you had to go through. Um, but because you're strong individuals, you're able to come out, uh, and be able to be advocates. So shit like this can end. And, and we really appreciate that. And, uh, we need a lot more people like you who, who can stand up and fight, fight the good fight. Very much so. And every single, I appreciate you having me on all all of you ladies and every single one of you listening to this, you are appreciated. You matter. It's not your fault. And whenever you're comfortable, feel free to reach out to any one of us, reach out to rain, reach out to somebody and start your, and start your road to recovery, whatever that, that time appropriate timing is. Thanks everybody. Ladies. Thank you. Everyone out there. Thanks for Thank you for listening. Thanks ladies. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. We'd like to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to keep producing episodes, bring on guests and keep shoreline ever to happy to produce our show with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Stephanie Boltman, Jenny Dignan, Ryan Frushauer, Daniel Schubert, and Steven Shivers. Thank you all, our patrons, so much for all your support and, again, your patronage. If you have ideas, topics, or stories for the show, or you would like to be a guest on the show, visit cancelformaintenance.com and drop us a line on our Contact Us section. We will do whatever we can to get you and or your ideas onto the show. Check out our sponsor, Rockwell Time, for all sorts of outdoors and sporting apparel such as watches, safety-rated sunglasses, and snowboarding goods. Visit rockwelltime.com, use code CX4MX, and save 10% off your purchases. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cancel for maintenance. Patronage, again, allows us to continue making episodes and maintain our gear. Patrons also get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord and discounts to our upcoming merch.